I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. This is the last of the Beatitudes. I will be starting a series next week that we will just simply call, call it Because We Are Thankful. Because We Are Thankful. And we'll be addressing several things in November. Because We Are Thankful. There should be certain things that are part of our living, our lifestyle, and our attitudes. And uh, we're going to have kind of a Thanksgiving theme and uh, even some special opportunities here at the church for you. And I'll be talking in some detail about that at our quarter uh, business conference. And if you're a guest, you're sure welcome to stay and see uh, uh, what is going on in the life of our church on a business side. But we'll have our quarter church conference today right after this service. And uh, we hope you'll, you'll stay. Congratulations to the persecuted. Isn't that a strange statement? That's my title. Blessed are the persecuted. To be congratulated, you're living this way, you are to be congratulated. Or the other translation, as we've said all eight weeks, happy are you. Isn't that strange? That's strange language. But that's Jesus talking to us about these people are extremely blessed. And they are blessed in this lifetime and also abundantly blessed in the lifetime to come. We'll talk about that today. I want you to stand with me. I want to read to you a few passages. I felt like this passage, uh, this message today, should have several passages kind of highlighted for you. So I will start with Matthew chapter 5, and this is the longest beatitude by far. It is three verses instead of usually just the one. But check this out. It says, Blessed are those who are persecuted, Because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Luke chapter 6, another version, often not looked at as much as Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But here we have Jesus saying something very similar that Luke records. Chapter 6, blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their fathers treated the prophets. And then I want you to look with me at 1 Peter chapter 4. I want to have you jump there with me, and it's up on the screen if you don't have it. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14 says this, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Father, again, we just ask your blessings on your word. Help us to see the big picture globally and locally of what is going on in our world with persecution. Even this slaughter that took place yesterday in this Jewish synagogue is persecution for the faith. Not Christianity this time, but Lord, definitely our uh, predecessors and our neighbors and friends in the Jewish community. And Father, we pray for these uh, 14 uh, that, uh, and their families that uh, lost loved ones. We lift them up. And Lord, we just pray on many fronts for them. We ask that you would help us see today that persecution is just part of following Jesus. 
And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The World uh, Evangelical Encyclopedia keeps stats on persecution. And uh, there are several uh, persecution organizations. There are two or three that are kind of above the rest that uh, are just doing uh, wonderful work around the globe. And uh, I'll try to mention those later. But in their most recent publication, here's what they had and what they have is their most recent ones on, uh, online. Since the death of Jesus Christ 2,000 plus years ago, 44 million Christians have, have become martyrs. They've died for the gospel. They've died for Jesus Christ. 44 million. Over 50% of these, more than half, have happened in the last century. It's so important that you hear that today. Persecution is rampant and it's growing worldwide. It really is. We need to be global thinkers today on this subject matter. More than 50% of the executions that are known in history have happened in the last 100 years. That ought to tell you something. This is becoming a bigger and bigger problem for the church of Jesus Christ and finishing our mission. And it points to we are living in last days. Be aware. More than 200 million Christians face persecution every day. Somewhere around the planet, it could be here in the States, more than 200. Listen to this, 60% of those, it is believed, are children being persecuted for following Jesus Christ, being associated with his church. Every day, 300 people are being killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. Every day, 300 people die, at least, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now do the math on that. Count that out to a week. Do the math and count that out to 30 days. Do the math, count that out to a year. And you're looking at literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. It's important for us to realize that. Richard Foster wrote a book that I really, uh, it's probably in my top 10 books, maybe top 20. Uh, I have a hard time doing that. Somebody was doing that on the internet lately and they said, put your top 10 books out there, pastor, that uh, have blessed you. And I was like, man, that is so hard. That's so hard. But The Celebration of Disciplines by Richard Foster is one I would highly recommend to you. In his book, he tells a story of a monk that was being persecuted. He was in prison. He was having all kinds of things. In fact, he was in prison for things that weren't even true. He had had all kinds of false accusations against him. One day, he looks out the window, and he sees that there are some dogs tearing a garment just to pieces. They're just ripping it to shreds. In fact, it was a skin, and he was ripping it to shreds. And he said that God spoke to him, that monk in that, in that setting, and communicated to him, that's what's happening to your reputation. That's what's happening to your name. But don't worry about it. I've promised you a new name in the kingdom of heaven. And he was comforted with the thought, too, that God would restore his name. And you need to remember that. We live in a very temporal setting called life. We have 70 years, 80 years if you're strong. In fact, I said this in first service because we have a few more that are a little more aged in there. And I said, hey, today because of medical science and health 
technology and medical uh, things that we're able to do. We're able to see people live. In fact, now there's over 100,000 Americans that are over 100 years old, and the group's getting bigger and bigger all the time. And more than likely, some of you that are sitting here, if the Lord tarries, and that's a big question mark, isn't it, church? If the Lord tarries, you may live to be over 100 And are you excited about that? I don't know about you, but I, I, have, I have noticed that uh, with the depletion of life and all that goes on, you know, that, that seems a little less exciting sometimes. But there's going to be more and more people if the Lord does tarry, if he tarries, that are going to live to be well above 70, 80, and 90, and 100. And it's just going to go on. But here's the reality, and this is, this is the shocker for the day. You are going to die. All right? That's the encouragement portion of the message today. You're going to die. You are flat out going to die. You're not going to live forever unless you know Jesus Christ, and then you will live forever. And you need to realize this life is temporal. It's so temporal it's so temporary it's what you have now and God through Jesus Christ has given you eternal life that is your forever time amen and forever is a really 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 long time it really is uh in that book that monk uh he he just says God will restore your name God will restore your reputation it may not even happen until you go over there in heaven but it will happen. And that's encouraging because we need to not be so earthly minded we don't become heavenly focused like we should be. Amen? We need to realize that we've got all that to gain after this life is said and done. I want to read to you a couple other passages. In Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, listen to this inspiration God gives Peter. He says, But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and you endure that? There's not, hey, listen, if you get punished by your parents, you get punished for doing something wrong. Even as adults, if we do something wrong, you get punished for that. There's no reward in that, right? That's not what's going on. You get rewarded for righteousness and living for the Lord. That is different. Listen to, listen to what Peter wrote. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, and notice the phrase, if you endure it, okay? Because a lot of people get really weary at that point. This is commendable before God. To this, you were called. Did you know that? You were called to endure persecution. To this, you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you follow his steps. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threat. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly found in the book of john verse 20 pay very close attention to this jesus says it a couple of times he says remember the words i spoke to you no servant is greater than his master if they persecuted me this is an assumption statement they will persecute you now, the persecutions that are going on in our nation, just even very recently, somebody in our church has had, 
had a job situation, their job threatened because of, I mean, it's persecution, because of them standing up for right things. I mean, that's, that's come just very recently, somebody just talking with me. I want to tell you something. The persecutions that we're seeing here in, in DFW is a little different than what we're seeing worldwide. And we're not suffering like people around the globe are suffering where just being in a church may bring judgment and death upon them. You're not suffering like that. You're gathering here today, and that is not a threat to you, right? I mean, there are the crazies that are coming in and doing the things that are going on, but it's important. In ancient Rome, there were, uh, for, for decades, this went on, even into some centuries at the Colosseum there in Rome, and some of you perhaps have been there and have seen that incredible uh, work of art. But to think that there were so many of our forefathers and our foremothers that were followers of Jesus Christ and they were slaughtered there, torn apart by lions, suffering, being executed, put to death for the pleasure of the people. Of course, you have some changes taking place in the 3rd century where Constantinople uh, then decides he's a Christian and that everybody's going to be a Christian in Rome and that's never good when the state does that. It, it uh, kind of runs the effect of the power of God through the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? But things did, did change. But I want to share with you, while he was there, uh, this Christian, Paul Rader, wrote this. He said, I stood uncovered before the heavens above, where here where people sat and many of them gladly died. And I asked myself, would I, could I die for him tonight? for the gospel, to go to the ends of the earth. And I prayed a prayer that day. I prayed this fervently in that Roman arena that I would have a spirit of a martyr and that I would be working through the Holy Spirit in my heart as it worked in Paul's heart that brought him even in handcuffs to Rome, on his way to Rome. And then he writes this at the end. Those early Christians, they lived on the threshold of heaven Within a heartbeat of home, no possessions, none to hold them back. And he just got that imagery in his mind of how they came in there with nothing. And then they offered their all to the Lord and gladly, many of them died rejoicing, singing, praising God, quoting scripture. And that was found just recently in one of our daily breads. If you don't get that, you ought to. Let me give you seven principles of how you deal with persecution on whatever level you deal with it on, okay? Number one, persecution produces maturity. I become a better follower of Jesus Christ if I react to persecution in the proper way. Let me give you a passage out of the book of Hebrews. It's in Hebrews chapter 12, and it says, Consider him who endured such opposition, and then he tells us this, who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Can you get discouraged when you're under persecution? Absolutely you can. It's a very natural thing. You need to endure it with a heart that is committed to Christ and living it out. Check this out. He says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus hung in there. There's an old hymn that had these words in it, and boy, it has some powerful words. Listen to this. 
must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for me, for everyone, and there's a cross for who? There's a cross for me. I want to tell you something. We need to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Be faithful. Respond in a correct way. There are missionaries. Listen, Keela went over to uh, Mozambique this summer. Many of you prayed for her. Many of you sponsored her and helped her be able to do that. Uh, There was a a Muslim group that began to advance and gain. uh, They went from village to village. I mean, this is going on so many places in the world. It just involved our church because my kid was right there. Uh, Two or three hours away, they were going into villages that were Christian villages and or they were non-Muslim villages, and they would go in and get a couple key figures, bring them into the center of the area, and they beheaded these people. And these were the very villages that Kema, I mean Kema, uh, Kema is my wife, Keila is my daughter. I had that problem first service. Uh, not with that, but with something else. Uh, anyway, they, they were going to minister in, in, in some of these villages outlying areas and go and stay there. Anyway, uh, the government issued a decree that all, all, all non-people of Mozambique had to leave the country. And so they moved the entire school to South Africa this summer. What they did to people was just unbelievable. If they wouldn't convert to Islam on the spot, they cut the leaders of these people in the villages, their heads off, they raped their women. I mean, this, it was just un, unreal. Burned their villages down. Why? Because they followed Jesus Christ. I mean, that's, that's an example of just, you know, a connection in our church. And they had to move the entire group, the whole school. The school was kept safe. Not anybody was, was, uh, had any, any difficulties. Let me share with you a second principle when you're going through persecution. On whatever level you have it, you may have people in your family that exclude you from family gatherings because you follow Jesus. They don't say that, but it's because they think you're weird. And the Bible does say Christians are a peculiar people, huh? We're a particular and a peculiar people. We're a little different, right? We're following Jesus. We've given the reins of our life over to him for the spirit of God to lead our life. So people, when we start talking like that, they're going, man, that's weird. It's not weird. It's the best way to live, isn't it? It is. It's the best way to live. Number two, principle number two, don't whine why you're being persecuted. Woe is me. Nobody's ever had it this hard. Oh, brother, sister, let me tell you, somebody's had it a lot tougher than you have. They sure have. Listen to Jesus again, John 15, 20. If they persecuted me, what is the assumption? They will persecute you. Now, I have a question for you, and this is the shocker of the morning, okay? If you're a follower of Jesus and you never get persecuted, I want to know why. Are you not verbalizing your faith at work, school? Listen, if you don't ever get tagged and somebody doesn't like you because of following Christ, you got some evaluating to do. Because Jesus told us people would persecute you. You follow me? Listen to this. 
by complaining, shrinking back from hardship, persecution, criticism. And we've all seen it. We've seen people make a stand in the, in, and they got tagged by the media. The news media started talking about them and how this Christian said this or that pastor said that. And you'll see them on occasion back it off and then try to say something a little softer. Listen, when it comes to Jesus, we can't say something else, can we? We can't. So we've got to watch that in our lives. Luke chapter 6 verse 4 40 in that passage he tells us that we must remember that the servant is not greater it's echoed in that passage in the book of Luke as well being godly following Jesus will cause you separation from people at times and you may be criticized you may have things said about you that are simply not true in fact sometimes non-Christians they don't know what to say or call you so they come up with their usual stuff, right? And they say those things. Um, <laughs> Job said that when he was tried, he said, I will come forth as gold. Now that was a faith statement because he was in the middle of the trial. He was in the middle of the struggle. And the Bible tells us that, that when we go through difficult times like persecution, when we go through sufferings, those are times where God is purifying and refining us, isn't he? Job said, I'm going to come out like gold when this is all said and done. Of course, he finally gets his day in court with God, and boy, it was rough. God asked him 77 questions. Bam, 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 bam. He couldn't answer a single one. He's like, oh, maybe it's not a good idea to get in a boxing match with God. Maybe that's not a good idea. Number three, understand this about persecution you are not alone somebody else is suffering somebody's suffering more than you and in our cases here in the United States we definitely are not suffering like so many around the globe you are not alone in being persecuted listen to these words that are found in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 35 it says this about the roll call of the faithful those that continued to exercise faith no matter what he says others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while others were in chains and put in prison. They're, they were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world, listen to this, folks, the world was not worthy of them. There have been people walk this planet that they were not. Listen, this is not our home. We're just passing through, right? This is not our home. There are people that have lived, that they have been so godly, so graced the kingdom of God in the way they conducted their lives and the way they went out of this world. There are people Literally, that the world was not worthy to have them as part of this planet. I have that on the highest authority of the word itself saying that. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Do you know that people that have been martyred for the faith, that they really have died for Jesus Christ? Do you know that in the kingdom of heaven, in the book of Revelation, there is a special section of heaven reserved for those that have suffered a martyr's death? Isn't that amazing? See, God sees it all, and it's not going to go unrewarded. It's not going to go unrewarded. That's an amazing truth that people that have gone to that level of service, they're going to have special recognition, special 
a special place in the kingdom of God. They will be recognized for their faithfulness even in the face of death. Isn't that amazing? Incredible. God always rewards his servants, doesn't he? The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 these words. He says, resist the devil, stand firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. And God, the God of all grace, who called you to eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. There are so many great Christians that have lived and have been faithful to Christ. Listen, I haven't suffered much persecution in my life, but I have suffered some. And I've suffered at different points along the way. In fact, I didn't have a big, big dose of it. Uh, I made a statement at a uh, neighborhood hearing about an Islamic mosque that they were trying to build uh, near our, our church where we were located. And one pastor got up before me, and this is why I got up. And that pastor was from the Presbyterian background and not the conservative Presbyterian background, the liberals. And she got up and she said, Oh, to our Islamic community, welcome, welcome, welcome. We love you, our brothers and sisters. We serve one God. There's many paths to God. And we welcome you to our community that you will be a great religious voice. Now, under our Constitution here in the United States and our amendments, any religious body that will meet peacefully, they gather and assemble, they have the right to meet in our nation. Amen? I want to say that before I say the rest of what I'm getting ready to say. Now, I sat there and I got mad. If you hadn't seen me mad yet, but I got mad that day. I got real mad because this lady was saying, all the Christians in Dayton welcome you. Well, welcoming's one thing. Saying things like we serve the same God, well, it started breaking down for me. Now, I want to say something to you that's really, really important. You are a follower of Jesus Christ, and by being a follower of Jesus Christ, you believe in an exclusive path to God that is only through His Son, Jesus Christ, and that's the only way to God. You, if you don't believe that, you're not Christian. I'm smiling at you. To be Christian means that you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that that's the path to God. Now, I made a statement that day. I said, I welcome anybody that will peacefully assembly, uh, assemble and But I do not believe the mosque and Islam in general holds the, the proper answer to eternal life and having a relationship with God. So she said, all Christians, but we welcome you. I just want to simply tell you, I believe that you will teach something that's different from what I believe and teach, and it's not true. And it will not save anyone, and no one will go to heaven by what you teach. Now, that's, that's candid, isn't it? I mean, I was fighting mad. I got up, I said, listen, here's the bottom line. 
This is what Jesus said, his exclusive claim to the kingdom. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except exclusively through me. You read passages like John chapter 1, verse 12. You would have thought that I was the biggest religious heretic in, in the middle part of Ohio. Next Sunday, I'm on the front page of the Dayton Daily News. I am oppressing, even though we just built on 75 acres of land and we have a, a facility of some $13, $15 million where we just moved into Sugar Creek and we built into this building and we did all this. I had this religious freedom, but I want to deny that to the, to the Muslims. And I didn't say that. I said what they teach and what they preach, I don't believe. And I believe it's false. And I welcome them as a neighbor if they get the right to come there and peacefully assemble. But there's only one path to God. See, that, that Presbyterian gal got me really mad. I had words with her after the thing was over, too. I said, don't, don't come put me and our, our church and other Christians in your camp saying, we, this is up, that we all are all here. I said, you, you couldn't say something more of the opposite. I don't believe in Islam. I don't believe in their five tenets. I don't believe it takes somebody to heaven. I am a Christian. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, anyway, for the next two months, about probably four or five times, amazing, I was the bigot on the front page of the Daily News. And the Daily News was owned by, the Dayton Daily News was owned by Cox Corporation, which it's an extremely large organization across this country, a large company, and they happen to own two of the TV stations. So not only did I get to be on the front page of the newspaper and on other pages several times, but amazingly it was always on Sunday, their big circulation day. And they interviewed this one lady, and we ended up having a meeting at our church, and we had a discussion with the people from the mosque, and we had an open meeting to the community because we wanted to present we had a man that was from Iran. We had come speak at our church, and he was a radical. He was a radical, radical uh, Islamic uh, individual, and he had come to faith in Jesus Christ. And he talked about moving to the United States and that they were training him to perhaps be uh, uh, in a sleeper cell and be a terrorist someday and kill the great Satan America. And he told that story. And told about how he became a Christian. And that he personally does not believe is Islam is a religion of peace. Now that was him telling that. I didn't say that. But that's what he said. So we had that discussion. Well, there were people there. And there was this one lady that was interviewed. And the bottom line is that she, she said that she was fearful to go out in the parking lot with her children while she was at First Baptist Church Kettering. I'm like, Wow. Because we, we had refreshments for these folks. We, we interacted. We had people give, give Bibles. We took Korans. I mean, we were, we were doing swap discussion. You know, we were just trying to be, have an open discussion. Well, I got on the paper over, over. I, here's the thing. The Christian community didn't come and get my back. I quoted John 14, 6. That's all I did. They didn't come get my back. But, boy, I got plenty of hate mail from the community. I did. And uh, then I started getting on different uh, uh, 
jihadist websites, and they told our story, and I was this radical preacher Christian guy, and I had people protesting in front of City Hall with signs and trying to stop the, the Muslim uh, mosque from being built. That never happened. There was death threats. Our kids got real nervous, you know. And I told them, I said, hey, don't, we're, we're good. God's got this. And uh, anyway, that went on for weeks. Finally, after about 30 days or so, I started getting some support from some other Christian people. And they started standing up and supporting me. Pastor Jude's right. But the Dayton Day News had about 30 pastors, 30 churches take out an ad. And it just so happened that it was against the policy of the newspaper, and so it was never produced. But they did produce the ad as in to show me what it would look like. And it was mailed to me. And it was signed by 30 pastors and their churches in the area of Dayton. And it rebuked me publicly for being unkind and not being a part of the largest, the larger religious community and more accepting. I, where, I, I, I kept that and still have it to this day because that's a badge of honor to me. You know what I think about those pastors? You really don't want to know what I think about them, but I'll tell you this. I believe they left the gospel a long time ago. And I didn't have any problem standing up to all 30 of them because you know what? I got Jesus on my side. He's the one that's called us to that. So when you used to Google my name, this was the first thing that came up. Is this religious bigot in Ohio named Barry Jude? Aren't you glad you called me as your pastor? <laughs> it went on. It went on for it went on for months, and more and more Christians got supportive and behind me. And all it was, I mean, all I said was that Jesus is an exclusive path to God. Well, that's an ultimate sin today in a tolerant culture, huh? And isn't it amazing that they're tolerant of everybody else, but not us? Pretty amazing how everybody gets tolerance, but not us as Christians. Well, I say that today because it's, it's one of the few times I had a little persecution in my life. And I had people saying things, writing me letters. I mean, it was, it was fun. Emails every day. It was like staff entertainment. They'd all come to my office. How many nasties did you get? I, well, let's, let's see. And I'd read some of them. And uh, some of them would come. They'd come daily just to see what I got in the mail. Christians did finally support me. They started coming around. It happens, right? I got persecuted a little bit for a few months. Had that junk on the Internet about my name for a long time. I want to be known for what I stand for, not what I'm against. Surely you know I'm a positive kind of guy. Amen? Have you figured that out? I am. I'm an upbeat, positive kind of guy. But truth is truth and lie is lie. And if you get tagged, you get tagged. Because one of these days, I'm not going to have to answer to those 30 pastors. I'm going to answer to Yahweh God about what did I do with his gospel and what did I tell people. Number four, look at this. You are not alone in being persecuted. I had a little bit. There are people that their lives are threatened. There were people there in Mozambique, weren't they, sweetie, that their lives were being threatened just because they follow Jesus Christ. Number four, Practice love toward those who persecute you. 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, it says this, You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons, sons, of, God, sons of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Three words from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the great poetic love chapter. Love never fails. Just return love for the, for the venom and the vomit that comes at you. Just return love there. Number five, pray for those who persecute you. Have you prayed for somebody that's persecuted you? It's a liberating thing. There was one pastor in particular, this man, he was, he was so nasty to me, just ongoing. I started praying for him. In fact, for a little while, I prayed for him every day. And I prayed God would bless him and bring him back to the gospel. The calling that was upon his life a long time ago and that church as well. Pray for them. He says that we should pray for those. Amen? Number five. Check this out. Six. Forgive those who persecute you. When somebody treats you really bad for the sake of the gospel, forgive them. They really may not have a clue what they're doing. Saul persecuted the church and became the apostle Paul. He thought he was doing God a favor by persecuting the church, didn't he? Listen to this. Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And that's true. Jesus told us, or uh, Paul's writing in Ephesians chapter 4, be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as I have forgiven you. And then number seven, realize when you're persecuted, you are following and having a unique fellowship with Christ. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, it says these words, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and become like him in his death. There are, there's a fellowship that's reserved for those that get, that when you go through persecution. You really are coming to another level of living for Jesus and suffering as a result of that. And Paul said, I'm so thankful that I've been able to share in his sufferings. Share in his sufferings. Back to that wonderful passage in the book of Matthew. Again, I just close with this. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. Hear that attitude today. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And the Bible tells us in John chapter 16, verse 33, these words, and I'm going to end with this. Listen. In this world, Jesus says, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Smile anyway. Still laugh. Be joyful. And this one passage told us to shout or leap with joy. For I have overcome the world. What's the implication? John 6, 33. What does he say? 16, 33. I have overcome the world. The implication is you can too. You can too. We can become overcomers by knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Haven't said a lot about that today. But God's Son, Jesus Christ, died for you on the sin, uh, for your sins. He rose again from the dead so that He could give you hope and life. If you would be willing to admit you're a sinner and you need Christ, come to Him today. We would love to share with you about that. If you're here and you're 
a little battled with persecution. Maybe it's somebody in your family. It's like they talk about you like a dog because you stand up for Christ. Happy are you. Leap for joy. I know that sounds crazy. Do it anyway. You've got a day coming where God is going to honor you for all the sufferings. And our persecution is nothing compared to those being persecuted in other lands. That their life is under threat even now. Father, bless this invitation time.